0: Welcome to your Active Stack Brief Podcast. My name is Luca Bertuzzi, your technology editor. This week we take a closer look at cyber threat intelligence and reporting obligations. For an overview on all things technology in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website youractive.com. This is your Active Stack Brief Podcast. This episode is powered by Google. We are optimistic about a world with AI. We believe our approach to AI must be both bold and responsible. To us, that means developing AI in a way that maximizes the positive benefits to society while addressing the challenges guided by our principles. Find out more at google.ai. Today, I'm joined by Joe DeMack. Head of Unit for Operational Cooperation at ENISA, the, the EU Cybersecurity Agency, and Cecilia Bonifazal, Director General of Digital Europe. Hello, both. Hello. Hi. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. So, Joe, I would like to start with you. Um, in the NIS II Directive, uh, the EU legislator has introduced a reporting obligation for uh, cybersecurity incidents. Can you tell us how far uh, we are with the implementation of this uh, mechanism and how do you envisage uh, its governance? Sure.
1: First, let, let me start off perhaps by saying that there are two angles. So on the one hand, we have the incident reporting, which helps us understand and analyze the state of cybersecurity. And If we want to adequately respond to our current cybersecurity challenges, we need to agree on a common approach to incident reporting for the benefit of us all. Now the NIST-2 directive indeed provides us uh, with a much needed push to improve this, and ENISA continues to support the EU, uh, the Member States and the cybersecurity community to address this challenge. Now. Together with the the Member States, we are redefining the criteria for notification of significant incidents, which is a process that is expected to be finalized by the end of this year. And in parallel, we are also restructuring the templates for notifications, taxonomies, uh, formats, etc. The challenge there is really to align uh, and harmonize with other legislations such as the CRA. This way we can ensure interoperability in incident reporting. Uh, On the other hand, we have the vulnerabilities, which according to uh, a a study from Moniza from 2022, 69% of the nis one operator of essential services and digital service providers in the EU indicated that uh, the majority of their information security incidents are caused by the exploitation of such vulnerabilities in both soft and hardware. Um, 17% only of the surveyed uh, organizations indicated that less than 50% of their incidents involved exploitation of such vulnerabilities. So the NIST-2 directive um, indeed is driving changes towards this uh, vulnerability disclosure and ENISA uh, is expected to play a central role also in the setup of European vulnerability database and regist- registry um as well as supporting the Source network members when it comes to vulnerability management. Um, where we are here, so we're currently uh, collecting additional inputs uh, in preparation for the implementation of uh, relevant services for this EU vulnerability database. And as part of the conception stage, um, we are scoping the service um, where we plan to integrate existing best practices and new concepts uh, which will allow federation and effective collaboration.
0: Um, thank you, Joe. Uh, and turning to Cecilia now, because uh, Joe was mentioning the Cyber Resilience Act, a legislative proposal to introduce security requirements for connected devices. And there uh, we see that the EU wants to go a step further and require product manufacturer to report not only incidents but also actively exploited uh, vulnerabilities. Uh, the industry has been very vocal against this requirement. What what is your view on the matter, and what would be the added value of requesting this sort of information?
2: I mean, first of all, let me maybe take one step back. I mean, we really support um, the CRA. We support the NIS uh, too. We uh, we uh, we also support sharing of more cyber competences and more cyber incidents. Uh, And potentially all also vulnerabilities when we are ready. Uh, It's it's a great. I mean, for us having a coordination on European level across European member states is desirable. Having said that, uh, you know it's it's not a joke that we can say we are a continent that are heavily understaffed on cybersecurity competences, and we are in a situation where we need to be very pragmatic and see. What what can we actually do with the competence that we have? Most of the cybersecurity expertise is found in the private sector, meaning that when we have large-scale attack, and we have seen this in Ukraine, and we have so much to learn from what happened there, you know, it's the private sector that moves into governments and fixes their problems. So if we take that as a given. So what can we actually do then with what we do with the CRA? So that further step on the CRA, we have to be pragmatic to see if we actually have the competences within ENISA to handle amongst others unpatched vulnerabilities. And uh, for that, for that right now, short term, I would say uh, absolutely not. Uh, we are understaffed, and in the ISA, uh, we have a, a lot to learn and a lot to build, and it's not something that can be done in one two years. So we would really like to see a much bigger coordination with the NIST two definition of what we need to report, which is incidents, meaning that we have the opportunity in private sector to fix the problem before we actually leave our vulnerabilities in some database that might be hacked or might be you know, attacked from the outside. Um, it's not that we are necessarily against it long-term, meaning when we know that we are ready, but you know, with any collaboration, we need to practice how we run our processes and how we communicate and how we basically secure also the infrastructure that we are using. And we need to give ENISA uh, uh, and the EU the time to basically get that competence. And right now, uh, it, although you know ENISA comp- is a fantastic competent body, they are in lack of resources. They are understaffed, and uh, and we need to build that common capability together before we start reporting on unpatched vulnerabilities.
0: Thank you, Cecilia. And I think you touched a nerve there concerning the the resource uh, shortage uh, at the NISA. Joe, there have been plenty of discussions on whether the reporting mechanism under the CRA should be centralized via NISA or assigned to the uh, national uh, certs. Would the NISA have the capacity for such a sensitive task and then would you need more resources?
1: Let me start by saying that the CRA, indeed it builds on the NIST2 vulnerability database provisions. And the CRA proposal, it distinguishes between reporting of actively exploited vulnerabilities and security incidents, which are affecting products and digital elements. Now, an actively exploited vulnerability does not necessarily lead to security incidents in all products containing that vulnerability. An example, Um, would be for the log4j case, where the actively exploited vulnerability was found in thousands of software applications, but only few uh, cybersecurity incidents uh, affecting um, a limited number of applications were reported. It's very likely due to the quick response and patching um, after the disclosure of the vulnerability. Now, INISA is indeed envisaged as the single entry point. And hence the first recipient of notifications for both uh, actively exploited uh, vulnerabilities in products with digital elements and security incidents um, in the networks of hardware and software manufacturers that have an impact on the security of their products Um, and we believe that establishing a central EU point for such notifications is proposed as the vulnerabilities and incidents will usually relate to products sold in multiple or all EU member states. And a single recipient of these notifications will facilitate uh, faster dissemination also um, of the information uh, to all the EU member states involved. So we believe that we are uniquely positioned to take this role due to the involvement um, in the implementation of the vulnerability incident notification frameworks, such as the NS2 database. but. Indeed, it relates also to the reporting obligations in the CRA framework and it's in sync with Anisa's role uh, for the powering of the, of the CSERS network and the cooperation among the, the members of that CSIRS network, um, uh, EU CSIRS network. Now, um, the one-stop shop reporting would also be beneficial to manufacturers who need to comply with the new reporting obligations. Uh, But as Cecilia um, rightfully mentioned, if we want to do this properly, we need the right um, resources for it. So the current proposal foresees that ENISA should reallocate 4.5 FTEs to cover all the responsibilities within the regulation. Um, So that would, by definition, mean that we need to deprioritize other tasks to be able to uh, to do uh, what is required from us under the, the legislation. We are also cautious about the estimation on the actual FTEs needed and would strongly advocate in favor for a more thorough assessment. Um, A high-level analysis of the resource requirements for receiving incident and vulnerability notifications indicates that the 4.5 FTEs are likely an underestimation for that task alone. Um, In addition, budget for the required infrastructure and the upgrades would also be needed.
2: Maybe I can make a comment here, Rick, I totally agree with, uh, with with Joe. I mean, INISA is very well placed to be that entry point, of course, and should be. Uh, and, and I totally agree with you, Joe, that it's understaffed and underfunded. Remember, I mean, some of the best organizations in Europe, they have hundreds of cybersecurity specialists, and uh, they're very hard to get. I mean, they have to get them from... All kind of countries, you know, and they need to uh, pay them large amount of money. I mean, to get, you can get like two specialists that can basically solve extremely complex cybersecurity incidents. Um, and you can have hundreds of people who can't. Uh, so this is a skill that's so unique, um, that it's very hard to get. And we really need to to uh, to understand the, the nature of the people who can actually do these things. Second of all, um, it's also about you know reporting doesn't necessarily have a value in itself. I mean, reporting is just gathering data in a place and then it's there. It's what we do with the reporting, right? So how can we make sure to have a advanced process of you know sharing and addressing? So how can we solve these vulnerabilities? How can we make sure that we act upon it? And that process if we if i mean the big difference is shall, should we start with incidents on an isa level like we do in the nist 2 or should we also share the unpatched i mean what's the value of that unless enisa has like eighty top notches that can basically solve it up front it's it's going to be the companies that's going to solve it anyway so and it might be a maturity process, right? That we start we stuff, you know, Anisa, we start with the incidents. Then we learn, you know, what works, what doesn't work. How can we co- collaborate? What are the things that we need to build? And then we can move to the next level. And I think it's not to kind of give, you know, give the, the opportunity to our enemies to um, to get their hands on vulnerabilities. Uh, and being able to address a problem, not only have a report, because a report again has no value unless you can solve the incident. So, so we need to be a little bit pragmatic. And, and I think the, 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 the optimal will be to have an aligned definition of what we report within this two. To uh, to Anisa, learn from that in a period of time. You know, staff the right resources so they can have this kind of squat You know, that can move in and solve real problems if there are problems. Um, so they are actually adding, you know, value to to the to the to the supply chain of of cybersecurity in a few years or or whatever that might take.
0: Uh, thanks, uh, Cecilia. So um, I, I would uh, park for a moment the discussion on on how to deal with cyber threat intelligence more generally, uh, to, to stay on the topic of, of the CRA um, reporting mechanism? Because in the council, we have seen that uh, EU countries have been discussing uh, moving the reporting into the hands of the national exerts, uh and establishing a pan-European platform with national handpoints. Uh, would this be a better arrangement in your view?
2: You could say the the first uh, the first viewpoint is don't make us report twice or three times or ten times. So if we report, we report once. Um, so first of all, one incident, one report uh, would be the first requirement. Then I would say, uh, well, um, and ha- you know, some kind of collaboration on EU level is definitely needed. I mean. Um, there are no attacks that are national. Uh, typically, uh, as, as, as Joe also mentioned, these products are sold all over Europe. It's not that you sell your products in, in, in Germany only or in Spain only. These products are sold across border and therefore it makes totally sense that if we want to address, you know, uh, if we want to report an incident that we have you know a mechanism of notification across Europe, and even better, you know, long term, that if we want to go to the next level and, and also have vulnerabilities, which we need to be ready for, uh, as I said before, uh, that we really have a kind of a European collaboration and, and very streamlined process on how to solve these pro- problems very quickly.
1: So for us, indeed, a one-stop shop reporting, so a, a single point for reporting uh, would be beneficial to the manufacturers. So for us, this uh, approach would provide a clearer process through the single reporting interface, um, without the need for bilateral exchanges with multiple member states, um, especially in the case where confidentiality is a concern, and it typically is a concern. Um, it would also allow for a reduction of costs associated with uh, the reporting, uh, as there would no need, uh, as there would be no need for multiple reporting, and it would also foster faster communication as only one entity is involved in the, in the governance process.
0: Right. And, and when we talk about confidentiality, I think that touches upon a broader issue, which is the fact that public authorities, but also private actors, have an incentive in keeping cyber threat intelligence confidential and even for themselves. Um, because, of course, those are uh, potentially, entry points. Um, do you see a risk that uh, everyone sort of keeps this uh, information in its hands, be it uh, government, law enforcement, or or even private actors? Um, Cecilia, do you want to start with this one?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we have seen an extremely uh, responsible. Reactions from the private sector. If we look at Ukraine, I mean, Microsoft assets moving in, you know, really giving information of Russia's uh, Russia's attack uh, even before it happened. Warning systems. Um, we have a group on uh, digital resilience, and they always talk about how they actually try to warn member states, but some some member states pick up, others just say we know nothing. Uh, So it is very difficult to be a private sector company and deal with many different entities. Uh, I don't think, you know, remember many of these companies that are producing these uh, products, they are trying really to, they only have one interest. They want maximum security around their products uh, and therefore needs to deal with a lot of different stakeholders. We have the ISACs, you know, both in health and in finance. We have these ISACs where... Private companies have basically established groups where they share a lot of uh, vulnerabilities and how-to to patches and et cetera amongst themselves, but also with governments. So I think it has been mostly, and, and I'm not going to point fingers at specific member states, but we have seen member states that have been very kind of, this is our territory, we don't know anything, where I have, we have seen private companies really walking in front um so I would say uh, not from private se- sector as we have seen it. However, of course, it is extremely sensitive uh, information here that can do harm. And uh, if you have the best resources to fix it, why would you tell before you even know that you can fix it? Because someone might get their hands on this data. So there is a fine line between forcing companies to report on unpatched vulnerabilities because each time you send them information there is a risk that this somehow is 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 snatched by somebody else let me just give an example some of the most secure banks of the you know in the world um they have malware traveling around for 300 days and you know they have systems that no other stakeholders could afford, or you know, even manufacturers that has the best people in the world. Um so there is this is serious stuff, right? We we have to be super careful what we send where and and why, unless it brings direct value. Um we should not go too early from reporting incidents to reporting unpatched vulnerabilities. So so there is a fine line there, but I think we have seen a very responsible um, behavior from private sector across the board, uh, tons of voluntary initiatives to to strengthen cybersecurity, also towards governments. Remember, I mean, no one was paid to step in and help on Ukraine. We all did. Um, and then I would say one thing. I mean, yeah, there is also the the cyber operations centers now, the SOCs. Uh, and there's a lot of money that we can, that we can, that we can. Invest and let's invest it so we get really good processes, um, both on both on skills, but also on how we do this. So I would say, um, not from private sector, we have not seen this unless it has a very good reason, which is they don't want to send something without knowing that it brings direct help because they might have the best resources to fix it. But on the on the on the incidents themselves and actually solving it, I think we have seen private sector being first-movers.
0: Right. Uh, Interested in your view on this, uh, Joe, also as uh, Cecilia was mentioning that cyber threat intelligence is being dealt with this uh, network of SOCs that uh, the Commission is aiming to establish at the regional level.
1: Yeah, let me first start by agreeing uh, with Cecilia on the the value of the, the ISACs. I think those are really very valuable platforms where information can and should be shared, and that's that's working very well, in my opinion. Um, but what is also working really well is the, the EU CSERS network. So from our experience as a secretariat, uh, we see that information is continuously being shared there, um, such as key cyber threat intelligence, uh, but also situational awareness. Um, in general, I think we have come a very long way when it comes to sharing uh, cyber threat intelligence and, and sensitive information at large. And in the end, it all boils down to trust. So for me, that's really where I see added value also for the EU CSERS network. That's a network of um, national CSERS and, and CERT EU that's are actually trusting each other and sharing information on a a daily basis. Um, Perhaps let me also quickly point out to one article in the CRA which outlines a procedure uh, that the market surveillance authority in a member state should follow in case of a product with digital elements or its vulnerability handling poses a significant cybersecurity risk including steps to follow in case a non-compliance of a product with the CRA requirements um, extends beyond its national uh, territory. So there this procedure includes provisions for cross-border sharing of information and ANISA can assist upon request of the national authorities in the technical aspects of such um, investigations. Um, But yeah, all in all, I think what I can say about the increase of information sharing in general is that I see a large increase um, compared to uh, when I was still heading the, the national uh, C-Cert, certo um, I think in the past five years, um, information is actually very much actively shared in these national uh, EU uh, networks.
0: Cecilia Bonnefeldal is Director General at Digital Europe. Joe Demoin. Head of Unit for Operational Cooperation, at Atenisa. Thank you, Bo. That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free Tech Brief newsletter to stay on top of tech news and digital policy developments in the EU and beyond. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Amazon Music. This episode was produced with the technical help of Avi Curie. I'm Luca Bertuzzi and thank you for listening.